Today's a great day because it's Church Planting Sunday. I'm so glad that you're here to be a part of it. I think many, maybe many of you are kind of like, why should I care about church planting? Uh, and, and so I, I'm, I'm intending to tell you about that um, here in the coming days, or not the coming days, the coming minutes, I should say. I don't have very much time this morning. They really curtailed my sermon. I don't know why that is, but... Uh, I feel like I'm not in charge anymore. Uh, I feel like I should be saying how much time I spend in a sermon, uh, but that's not the way that it goes. Uh, uh, 13 years ago, God placed on my heart a passion to plant a church. I didn't realize it was a church at the time. I thought I was just going to be starting some uh, college-age ministry and uh, and the reason was, was because I, here I was, I was, I was in my 20s. I mean, and this is like a, li- a lifelong dream, I guess. Since my early 20s, kind of feeling called by God to be a, a part of something, a part of ministry, even though so much had happened in my past in regards to people close to me really messing things up in their lives that were a part of the church. Somehow God still got a hold of my heart and told me that, that this is what I should be a part of, that this is what I should be doing. I have no idea why, because I was just a, a kind of a hick. I uh, wanted to drink beer. I wanted to uh, do all kinds of bad things. And somehow God got a hold of my life. And uh, I still drink beer, but uh, everything else, everything else has changed, and God is working in, in my life uh, here and now, and he's working in your life. So God got a hold of me, and he, I, I think he put a passion in my heart to start a church, because I looked around me, and I saw many, many people who did not have a passion for Jesus or for his church And I felt like there needs to be a church that reaches this generation. There needs to be a church that reaches this generation because many of them were either driving to Portland to go to some of those hip, cool, hipster churches uh, at the the time, uh, or they were just leaving the church altogether. They were succumbing to false doctrine of some so-called Christian pastors who were not Christian nor pastors. They were leading people away from the truth. They were writing books saying that hell wasn't a real place. They were writing books saying that there is no sexual ethic. They were writing, uh, writing and speaking and saying all kinds of ridiculous things and I wanted to fight against that because I saw my friends giving in to heresy. And I, I, I wanted to be a part of that solution. And so I asked God, man, what, what do you want me to do? Feeling like I was the last dude that should be leading a church but I felt so called by God to lead a church. I felt called and I was like, and I couldn't understand it because I was like, man, Lord, I just don't feel like I'm the right guy. I didn't go to Bible college. Uh, Sometimes I'm not nice to people. I uh, work construction, all of those things. And God seemingly called me out of that and I don't know how that happened, but we started a church in 2007 August of 2007, and it was haphazard. We just told a bunch of people, hey, we're starting a church on this date. Be there if you wanna come. And God blessed it, even in the midst of my foolishness, even in the midst of my inability, even in the midst of everything I didn't know. 
God did something amazing. And then very shortly after, the wheels started to fall off because I didn't know what I was doing. And this is something that you don't realize when you're in your, when you're in your 20s, you don't realize how much you don't know. You think that you know a lot. You think that you, you figured it all out. And God has this special way of humbling us early on in ministry to show us you really are ridiculous and you don't know what you're doing. And that's what God did to me. And so early on, uh, I, I finally figured out, dude, I need some direction. I'm not even sure I should be doing this even though I totally felt called. I mean, maybe I just, <laughs> maybe I just am listening to uh, you know, voices in my head. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. God, did you call me to this? And so I got with an organization called Acts 29, and I went and I got assessed by this organization. They assess people who say that they want to start churches. And I was going uh, to be assessed by them, to, to ask the question, should I keep doing this? Should I keep doing what I'm doing? And so I went into a room with a couple of guys and my wife, and uh, I, they began to ask me some questions about my church, about the church that I had started. And I was very nervous. And I was like, man, I don't know. And, and so we're sitting there having this discussion about this. And they, they, they began to ask me questions about like, hey, what's going on with your leadership structure? Because there were some leadership uh, problems that had happened early on. And finally, one of the guys just stops the assessment and says, this is bull crap. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I, I, I shouldn't be a pastor, I guess. And the guy says, you're a church planner. We should have talked about this uh, over a beer in Portland. Like, dude, God's using you. And it was like, it was, the, it was so awesome. And ever since then, what I have with this organization, Acts 29, is a brotherhood, a camaraderie. And so I wanna show you a couple things here. One is a video uh, from Acts 29, and then I'll tell you about a couple other things in another video after that. So can we roll that video um, about Acts 29? Acts 29 is a global network of over 700 churches worshiping in 50 countries with nearly 30 languages. And we are committed to planting healthy, multiplying churches in every corner of the world. God is a global God and that he works through different ethnicities and cultures and languages around the world. Being faithful to God's great commission is to make disciples and to plant churches. Churches characterized by theological clarity, cultural engagement, and missional innovation. We believe that uh, the church is God's primary mission strategy for establishing his kingdom and his presence on earth. We want to reach people with the gospel and our reach is amplified through Acts 29 as a network. So more people will know and worship him. Each one of our members has been blessed by all the training that we have received as planters. We want our church to be a praying church and also a church that disciples others. This is what we do and this is who we are. We are people who plant churches. So Acts 29 accomplishes its mission uh, primarily through three things. By assessing potential church planters. We provide continued assistance for churches and leaders through coaching, trainings, and also relational connection. We get to collaborate with the whole bride of Christ to plant churches, not only just in our areas, but we partner globally to plant churches. And as we partner together with Acts 29, with churches around the world, our efforts are multiplied and the God is glorified when we work together as a church. 
This is Acts 29. 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 God has used it powerfully in our lives to, to feel connected. My wife and I have uh, created uh, just incredible relationships with other lead pastors and their, their wives. There's something about having somebody that does the same thing that you do that's a lead dude um, and his spouse that, like we connect on a level that we don't connect with other people. Even though I have great relationships with uh, the, the elders here, um, it's, it's just another level. But there's also accountability uh, where if I go off the rails and I start teaching uh, wrong doctrine, they're going to correct me. Um, if, there, if there ends up being like some type of a inner turmoil at the church, Acts 29 can step in and help mitigate through those types of things. That, those things, t- kinds of things happen in churches, and they go on and on and on forever sometimes because there is no authority figure over uh, what's going on there. So Acts 29 would help in that situation. Acts 29 helps with uh, supporting local churches. In fact, you know, if you start a, a new church today, you can get support from Acts 29. Um, when I got in, they weren't doing that yet, which was kind of a bummer, but but, um, but uh, that's what we do today. We help uh, churches get planted. We help churches get planted in urban areas, uh, among the black community especially, uh, where they, they don't have the support systems that white evangelical uh, middle-class Americans have uh, the, the type of resources many times in black communities. There just isn't that type of uh, support. And so uh, we, as a church, give uh, 3% of our dollars towards Acts 29, and so I think we gave like 14 or 15, it might've been as much as $16,000 last year towards that. So we're helping plant churches in um, urban areas and all over the world as well. Um, in addition to that, just we, uh, just as a church have directly supported um, uh, a guy in, in, it's not Guatemala, that was it's actually not Guatemala. I can't remember. That was so long ago. But we, it was in a South American country. Um, we, we've supported a guy named James Marchetti in Alaska. Um, we've done a little bit of support in Eugene with Rick Reeves. He planted a church down there. Fantastic guy. Good friend of mine. Um, all these guys are fantastic guys. Uh, Aaron Nabriha as well, a good friend of mine, grew up with, you know, he grew up uh, under our leadership at another church in town here and then also was with us for some time. If you've been here for a long time, you know Aaron. Um, but Aaron planted a church in Charleston and he shot this video uh, for us this morning. Would you take a look at this? Hey, what's up, Outward Church? My name's Aaron Nabriha. I'm one of the pastors at City Life Church in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm coming to you at your church planting Sunday. Um, What's really cool is that our church here in Charleston, we celebrated church planting Sunday last Sunday. And what was so awesome about it is um, Matt and Chris were able to be out here uh, with us and um, we were able to to thank them and, and appreciate them for the way that Outward Church has supported us as a church plant. For so many years at the very beginning of this thing that God has called us to do, um, you guys were faithful. You were consistent. Um, so um, thank you guys for always um, being a part of our church planting story. No differently than so many others were part of your church planting story. I don't think that we would be necessarily where we are today as a, um, as a healthy and thriving gospel-centered church if it wasn't for um, just the support, the, the encouragement, the camaraderie. 
um, and the spurring on of churches like yours. And so on this church planting Sunday, I mean, let me just encourage you, never lose your zeal for multiplying God's kingdom work through the planting of churches. I just believe that God's called us to make disciples and plant churches and outward you're doing it. And I just want to say thank you and keep going. I love you guys. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys sometime soon. So last Sunday, uh, last, last, uh, last week actually, um, was my uh, 15 year wedding anniversary uh, with uh, my, my wife, Chris. We decided let's go to Charleston. Aaron's there, we'll hang out with him and his wife a little bit and be able to see the church. He's been wanting us to come out for so long. And so we got to go there. So our church has been supporting that church, 500 bucks a month. We did that for three years. Aaron is killing it. God is using him powerfully. Uh, his church is about 350 people. I went to a discipleship uh, night with 38 men that paid $250 a piece to be a part of this eight-month uh, discipleship deal. There are men that are showing up saying, we're coming from a church that hasn't been preaching the gospel. Uh, they don't really even teach out of the word of God. They're teaching good principles. It's just not out of the Bible. And many of them are coming from this local church or churches in that area. Anyway, God is using them powerfully. It has been an amazing investment in uh, the church. And so you are to be congratulated because you helped with that if you've been giving here at Outward Church. So we, uh, we gave like $6,000 a year. And so um, that, was, that was an amazing thing. So Aaron and I are really good friends and we get to, we get to hang out and, and spend time together. Um, God is calling us to new things. Before I get there, let me tell you why I'm passionate about what, we're, what God is calling us to next. In Ephesians chapter four, actually, let me back up. Ephesians chapter three, it, it gives us something which I think is, is amazing. Chapter three, verse eight says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. The apostle Paul is saying this. This grace was given to me, the apostle Paul, to preach to the Gentiles, to preach to everyone who's not Jewish, the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's just like the grace of Jesus just like pours out of him as he says, this is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Like knowing Jesus is better than anything. And I get to tell people about it and they get to know it and they get to see it. God has allowed me to be able to preach this. And so he's, he says, this grace has been given to me for that and to bring to light everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What does all that mean? It means God is revealing something through the preaching of the word. It is his plan that has been a mystery and now it's revealed through the gospel and he says, and this is through God who created everything so that through the church, listen to this, so that through the church, the manifold, the multifaceted, multicolored, multidimensional, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul says, God has graced me. He saved me. I don't know if you remember or, or, or if you know how Paul got saved but Paul got saved, he was the last dude that you would think 
would come to know Jesus. He's the guy that hated Christians and he was killing them and he was on his way to kill more when Jesus saved him, saved him. And he saves him out of murdering Christians. You think you've got it bad? You think maybe Jesus can't save you? Think about Paul for a second. Paul says, God has had so much grace on me. And then he called me to preach the gospel to people so that he could create what is this gathering of disciples of Jesus Christ. He called me to preach to these people that are called the church so that God's wisdom, the wisdom of God, the multifaceted wisdom of God, it's like when you, when you go to this angle, oh, there's another aspect of God's wisdom. You go to this angle, oh, there's another aspect of God's wisdom. You go to this, you go to this, go to this, go to this. It's just like God's wisdom is seen through. Can you believe this? Through the church? How messed up is the church today? How often do we hear about the failures of pastors and ministry leaders? And maybe you know of somebody, and maybe you yourself are that failure that you're thinking of right now. Somehow God is using his church to be a display of his amazing wisdom. And it's in the heavenly places to the rulers and authorities. God's wisdom is seen through the local church. It's not just a gathering of people that come together and just hang out. It's not. In fact, he says in the next chapter, chapter four, verse 11, and this is what put me over the edge. As I was like, dude, people have got to hear this. They got to know this. Yes, it's the gospel. But what engages you in the church? See, I, I believe that young people were leaving the church back in 2007 and, and before that and since that. But they were leaving the church because they were like, I have no role here. What, what am I supposed to do? Am I, I'm supposed to sit here and enjoy some type of a, a baby boomer concert or something like that? Sorry to all the baby boomers in here. But like, is that, is that what God's called me to? I want young people want to be engaged with what God is doing. Young people want to want to be given given some type of a role. But it says in in Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse 11, and he that is Jesus gave the apostles. So he created these giftings, uh, the apostles. We don't have apostles today. We have apostles uh, back then. Those were people who were called by Jesus himself. Apostles, the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Who are these people? These are gifted individuals in the local church. These are the elders. These are the people who are leading. He called them what, for what reason? So that they could do all the ministry? No, the ministry is found in this. It is preparing God's people. In fact, I'm, 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 uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the NIV there. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. To prepare God's people for works of ministry. God's mission in our lives as his people is to prepare us to be engaged in the day-to-day -day ministry of being a display of the manifold wisdom of God. And it's not just to attend services. Does that sound crazy? Does that sound nuts? God has called you and he's called me to an incredible mission of being trained for the work of ministry. Now, I want you to see what happens as a result. What happens is this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. How does the body of Christ get built up? 
How do we grow? Not numerically, but personally. How does that happen? It is being equipped to equip the same, for the building up of the body of Christ. Look, look at to the extent that this building up of happens until we all attain to the unity of the faith. What's happening in this place? There's a unity that is building as we grow more and more faithful toward and to and about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a unity that happens because I no longer can look at you and say, you're a sinner and you need to get out or you, you've wronged me or I don't like this place because of this and I don't like this and I don't like that. No, the unity of the faith comes in this. I am a sinner Saved by the grace of Jesus, but because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And it brings about this incredible unity in our faith. We are unified around the gospel. And he says, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We learn more and more about the Son of God to mature manhood. There's a maturity that happens to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Oh my gosh. It's like we are growing more and more to be like Jesus Christ as we grow in understanding something that we are not in charge, that he is in charge, that God is our authority. We have sinned against him and he has saved us by his grace. And that is completely different than what our world has as its guiding principle. Our world is not growing in unity in any kind of faith. It is very obvious today that that's what our, our, our world is imploding. It's becoming worse by the moment. Guess what? We're a part of that problem as well. But what's taking place today is not a unity of faith. It's not a unity amongst humanity. For all of the hyperbole and all of the, the, the presidential speeches and all of that stuff that say we're all going to come together and it's going to be one big great group of people and it's going to be awesome and we're going to wipe out racism, it just gets worse. We're going to wipe out sexism, it just gets worse. We're going to wipe out, you know, uh, poverty. We're going to wipe out homelessness. We're going to wipe out. I mean, nothing is getting better because our world doesn't have a unity of faith. Our world has this idea of expressive individualism. It is the idea that what I believe and what I think and what I feel is king. It is the idea that everything that I say and think is what should be. And this is where you, you get the idea that my identity, the, the core of who I am, is rooted in who I want to have sex with. That's, that's where our world is at. Is that that is my identity, that's who I am, that's my social structure, those are the people that I hang out with, that's what I want to do, that's where I want to be. Everyone must bow down to what my identity is. It's where we get political chaos. It's because our identities are rooted in our feelings about things around us. Men and women, the gospel of Jesus Christ creates people who live under authority. We are not our own authority. We live under the authority of King Jesus. 
This is why we say we, at Outward Church, we love Jesus and we live outward. Love Jesus means we are about his story, his gospel story, his life. We are about his people and being with his people so that we grow in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and that we are about his rule, meaning he is reigning. He is the reigning king. Jesus is my king. Jesus is the one whom I obey. Our world has totally missed that, not just about Jesus, but any kind of authority. You think about the news, uh, news today. A government doesn't assert authority in ways that it should. When government does assert authority, people get upset. This is, this is insanity. What does the church provide? The church provides the only place in our world today where we are acknowledging the rule and the reign of King Jesus as God, as our creator. And we say, my identity comes from you. It does not come from who I want to be intimate with. My, my identity comes from you and not from my politics or from their politics or this or that or the other. My identity comes from you. Our church today is about this concept that as instead of being bench warmers, pew warmers, if you will, God has called us and created us to be a part of this thing called the local church. And it's not just that he has called us to go and make more churches. This was read early on in the, in the service, uh, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus comes to them and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen here for just a second. In order to recognize Jesus as king, you must understand that he has authority over you. Jesus is our authority. It's his rule. It's his reign. All authority has been given to me. I have the right to tell you what to do as your king, is what Jesus is saying has been given to me, and he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus gives us marching orders. The marching orders are this. That we are to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. What is a disciple? It is somebody who is being trained to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. It's looking at the life of Jesus and implementing that in my life. And it's sharing the grace of Jesus with the people around me. In my marriage, in my friendships, at my work, or, or, around my life. It's not about me, my uh, personal identity, my thought process of what I think I am. It is about Jesus and him and what he has done for me. I'm observing what he has commanded. And he's told us to go and make disciples. He says in Luke chapter one, I'm sorry, not Luke chapter one, Acts 1.8, in fact, I got it right here. Acts 1.8, where did I put that? Well, 
I'm going to have to look for it. Oh, man. This is terrible. Never want. Oh, there we go. Jesus has told his disciples after his ascension, I want you to wait here until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He tells them in chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 8 of, of Acts, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, I want you to wait here. He says that at the end of the book of Luke. It's after the Great Commission. I want you to wait here. I've given you a mission. I want you to wait here for the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's given them uh, uh, marching orders. He's called them. And he says, I want you to wait here for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Those, you're you're going to go. You're going to be a part of this thing. You're going to be about it. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes the day of Pentecost. And there's these fiery flames that land on the shoulder of these people. They begin to speak. These disciples begin speaking in other languages. Clearly, the power of God is on them. And the people around them say, man, I, I think they're drunk. They're out here babbling, speaking in other languages and stuff. And Peter says, listen, we're not drunk yet. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Like, I mean, as if to say, like, it could happen a little bit later, but like right now we're not, we're not drunk right now. And so we are in our right mind. That's what Peter said. I love Peter. And so he preaches this message and then thousands of people get baptized, thousands upon thousands. And now all of a sudden they have a mega church. There's tons of people. They're, they're preaching the word. Uh, you get into Acts chapter 2, and you start seeing how these people are together. They're one in heart. God is using them. He's, he's speaking powerfully through them. People are coming to faith day after day after day. And what's taking place is these people are getting a little bit comfortable. They're getting comfortable. And I wonder sometimes if we're not getting comfortable. Because Jesus had sent them to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and they didn't go. And I, I just got to ask you, how many of us are just looking to be comfortable at church? How many of us have used the phrase, we're just not being fed there right now? I know what you mean, and I've thought that too at places where I've been. But is it really about just you being fed? Or is the manifold wisdom of God being displayed through the power of the local church as each part begins to serve together? And Jesus is serious. I want you to go make disciples who make disciples and I want you to progressively begin to go out and out and out and to the ends of the earth. That's what he calls us to. But what happens in the book of Acts is it seems like they get comfortable. There's the passage I was looking for. Is the next page. What takes place? Stephen is killed in the book of Acts. He's stoned to death because he gives a sermon that is a really great ending that basically says, who of God's prophets have you not killed? He says this to the Pharisee types, to the Jews at that time. They stone him to death. Saul, who later becomes Paul, is standing there giving his approval. 
It says in Acts 8.1, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Hey, that's kind of crazy. All of a sudden, persecution comes, and now they go, let's get out of here. And God goes, I know. That's what I told you to do. But it takes persecution for them to leave and to go and to begin to share the message. And what happens? They're taking the gospel with them. They're taking the gospel with them. And men and women, we don't need to wait for persecution. We don't need to wait for that. We have the passion that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we have been saved that God is using his church to be a display of his manifold wisdom of how incredibly smart, like the smartest ever God that ever was and is. He is the one that has the best way of living life. He is the one that has created all things according for his purposes. We have that opportunity. And we've been in Salem for a long time. And God has done some amazing work in and through us. God has built up many leaders within our church. We have eight guys that can preach. We have multiple worship leaders. We have multiple resources. And I gotta tell you, God is calling us to be about planting more churches. And we are excited about that today. So I wanna bring up uh, some of the elders here. And we're gonna tell you about what's What's next here? So this is uh, Matt Baldwin. Uh, in fact, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? You can speak for yourself, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm Matt mm. Baldwin. Uh, as Matt said, I'm the executive pastor here at Outward. Tim Porter. And I'm Ryan Habig. I'm the worship pastor here. Hey, can you guys, can you guys get, hop up here? You guys are in the light here. Yeah, there we go. I I, that's too light. close. That's too close. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon. Uh, but yeah, like, tell us, tell us about what, what's, what's been going on here. Are we just passing this? Okay. <laughs> uh, so, I, what was it? Uh, we've always been about church planning. You, you did a great yep. job today. Yep. Yeah, good job. Thank uh, you, man. We've always been about so, church planning. I re- um, I'm really, I, I felt pretty good about it, so. Um, if you could see him before the sermon sometime, let me just tell you guys, I don't, like, only the Holy Spirit <laughs> can do what it can do through you. You're not so, supposed man, to know thank that. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that okay. anything came out today. You see what uh, I have to put up with? So uh, we, we have always been about church planning, but I think it's been maybe two years ago. Um, we have just felt this sense of like, there's, there's something more. And the elders just, we've been praying. We've been praying. God, we, we don't know what it is. Is it outward to grow bigger, you know, at this location? Um, we, we've talked about moving buildings, potentially. We've talked about moving locations in the city. We've talked about so many things. But we began praying and praying and praying. And what we really have felt like God has been saying is like, I didn't give you so many leaders, so many amazing men and women in our church for you guys just to, you know, sit and grow and fill the pews even more. But like, we feel like we are being sent, that we feel like church planting has always been a part of what we're doing. And so I, I would say... Man, just, just at the start of COVID, we feel like God really changed some things. God really changed the way that, that church is happening. We saw a lot of obstacles um, that we had to overcome, but we saw a lot of growth in the midst yeah. of, of, 
us getting comfortable. We saw, we saw our church just begin to grow and grow and grow as more and more things happened. And so we just felt like, man, God is moving us. And so we began to pray specifically about planting a church. We didn't know where, we didn't know what. Um, and, and it was, uh, what, like last summer, we really started to see kind of that vision unfold. And Tim wants to tell you about that. You wanted me to tell them how that vision unfolded? Yes. Okay. Are we, have we mentioned Silverton yet? We oh. haven't. Wow. I feel like it was... Well, can I, can I just say this real yeah. quick? So, like, when the fires began uh, out towards Silverton, um, and there was all that talk of that, that Antifa was setting fires in, in Silverton. Do you remember that? Um, I, we, there were some folks here that are in Silverton, and there was, there was a thought that people are setting fires out in Silverton. And I was like, man, I want to go want to go help with that. And I think it hit the news media that people were patrolling the streets with ARs. I didn't have an AR. Um, but uh, not anything that big. But I, uh, but we, but we, and I went out there and I, and I was driving around and we were looking, just trying to make sure that people's houses are not being broken into. There was looting that was happening. And so I just wanted to be there and serve. But when I was there, I saw I don't know, 50 guys driving around with pickups uh, with guns in the back window, um, you know, like a beer between their legs. And I thought to myself, like, dude, we've got to, I want to preach here. I want to preach the gospel here. I want to share Jesus with these people because, I don't know, God just put it on my heart. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you said specifically, these are like sheep without a shepherd. Like, I want to help them. Um, a few things I wanted to say, I don't have much to say, is that we've just seen how, how capable uh, the church is through the last 13 years at, at grabbing people, at changing people. Um, my life is one of the first ones that have been changed by outward, okay? Just, just uh, outward, and, and my brother and my sister-in-law coming after me, God, through them, coming after me and getting a hold of me. Uh, Matt Baldwin, Brian Bradley, Brandon Haverlin. There's so many people that have had their lives changed through this church. We know, what's, we know what God is capable of doing. We know the sin and the shame and the guilt that has been laid at the cross because of outward. And we know that those people that Matt saw and so many others over there, about 20 miles, how many more of, the, of them are there? How many Tim Porters are over there? How many people have maybe heard the gospel? I think everybody in Silverton has heard the gospel. Is that safe to say? I think so. Maybe they've all, I think that's a requirement. You have to have heard it to get into Silverton. But do they know it? Like, do they believe it? I had heard it my whole life, but it didn't make any sense. I never connected with it. And we want to go and pursue them. We want to go and preach the gospel maybe a little bit differently, maybe from a different perspective, Uh, maybe be a little disruptive, uh, passionately, obviously. Um, and crafted like an excellent church. We want to do that in hopes that we can see more Tim Porters and more people, like hundreds of people hopefully, come to know Jesus through that effort. We are so excited about this. We've never planted a church in a barn. I don't exactly know how that's going to happen, but that's what we have available to us. Could be epic, could be messy. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out. But uh, we re- haven't said that we were planning a church in a barn. Oh, yet. sir. Yeah. Revealing everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's gosh. <laughs> Why did someone hand me the mic? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to take wait, it. Wait, one of the best parts about this is that Brian Bradley, one of our elders, has always wanted to plant a church in a bar. 
And, we, and we've been saying, we've been joking that like, Brian, it's finally your opportunity. We're gonna be planting a church in a bar. Nah. And so he's, it's just one letter off, one extra Brian. Letter. It's just one letter off, so. I mean, so we, we talk about um, feeling, feeling led to um, start something new. God calling us to take what we've received and, and, and identify where should we give this away now? Where do, we, where do we take the idea of loving Jesus and living outward and export that? And, and I think that we've, we've sensed this for a while, but I think there's just been this sense that the timing has not been right. Yeah. And, and up until just really these last few months, I, I think collectively um, from our eldership and our meetings and in the conversations and all the different kind of things that have transpired over the last year, it just felt like God has been opening more and more doors and stirring in each of our hearts um, in conversations with... We, we have a large fairly large contingent of people who come here from Silverton. Yeah. Um, and so, so there's been conversations taking place, kind of investigating, okay, could this be uh, the location? And in some sense, it makes a lot of sense because um, it's, you know, it's, it's a healthy distance away um, that it makes sense to kind of go there. But at the same time, it's close enough to Salem and to most of us that um, taking what we have here and kind of moving it over there, you know, moving some of what we're doing here over to Silverton, a new expression of what we're doing at Outward, uh, it seems pretty doable in, in a relatively simple way. So I don't know if you want to speak to some of the, the details of like, okay, how are we actually going to accomplish this? I thought you were doing... <laughs> I'm not going to talk anymore. <laughs> this thing will all get worked out by the time we start it, all right? Yeah. Uh, uh, some of the details... Um, <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things I want to say is uh, we've been making some jokes on here about, like, the, the gun-toting, truck-driving people of Silverton, but yeah, yeah. That, that's not necessarily... We're not trying to save everybody else in Silverton to, to follow <laughs> that, but, like, you know, when Matt talked about, like, the unity of the gospel, that's what we're yeah. about. Like, in this church, we have people who are left, right. We don't care at all. We see Jesus as the answer, and we are passionate about the city of Silverton seeing Jesus as the answer, not left-wing politics or right-wing politics or liberal, conservative, or who cares? Like, the gospel is what is necessary. The gospel is what it is about, and we see the gospel change all of us and unify us and come us together and bring us together and, you know, make us more like him, and so that, that's what we're really hoping for uh, in, in the city. So I just wanted to, to chat about that for, for those of you who maybe are like me and you, you didn't even eat steak before you came to Outward. Um, don't, uh, Matt always... He just told me that the other day. I was like, how did we let you in? Like, that's, like, how did this even happen? Gospel sanctification. <laughs> that's what it's all about. So, so, so practically, what's our measure of success? Many of you are wondering, like, wh how does this work out? What, what is this going to do? And I would just say, first of all, our measure of success is not about growing another church. It's about the gospel being preached. We will do it wh wherever, whenever. We will do it in a bar, in a barn. Uh, I'm not going to go Dr. Seuss here, but like in a rundown we, we movie theater. We will do theater. it on a boat. We will do it in a moat. Um, we'll do Brandon, it I feel like you should be up here for this part of and, that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I, we, we want to see the gospel preached, and, and however and whatever and wherever we can be a part of that, we want to see that movement, and we know that the enemy is going to attack. The devil is real. Hell is real. Yeah. You know, it's not some fake place. It's not whatever. Like, there will be spiritual warfare that we are going up against, and so our measure of success is just that we are faithfully preaching the gospel um, wherever God calls us. 
And so th that's the first thing. And, and in a lot of ways, we've overcomplicated church. It's not that all of this stuff isn't good, but we don't necessarily need amazing lights right away. We don't necessarily need all of this stuff. We do it because it's awesome and we want to glorify God um, with excellence. But at the same time, what, what do we need? We need preaching and discipleship. And so that's what we feel like we're called to do yeah, right now. Yeah. We, we've got preachers, and we've got you guys. You guys are a part of this. We need you guys. We want you guys. We can't imagine doing this without you. Every single person in here is called to preach the gospel and go to the ends of the earth. You are all being sent by us. And so when we talk about practical steps, that's it. We're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to disciple people who we believe God is going to change and move. God is going to change their lives, and we're there. Uh, you know, I've, I've said this in our elders meeting, that we are farmers uh, spreading seed and, plant, uh, and praying for God to bring rain. That, that's what we're doing, and so practically that, that's some other things. Uh, what am I missing now? Yeah, just we have a meeting right after service that's in the living room, is that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's gonna be about, if you're interested, it's in here. I'm it's sorry. in here, yeah, I'm right sorry. after service. Again, we'll get this figured out for second service, but uh, uh, it's, it's right in here uh, after service, and we'll, uh, we'll just talk about uh, just a few more details about that church plant. A couple ahead, things, Ryan. Ryan, you want to tell me about the website? Yeah, so the, the meeting here today, we'll, we'll really be uh, talking some, okay, where, when, who, uh, those types of details. We'll keep it brief. Um, but if you just have some initial questions, we don't have a lot of details posted yet, but if outwardsilverton.com, uh, you can go there and find out just a little bit of, of detail about kind of what's behind our thought process here. What are we thinking? Um, and there's, there's a link there. You can sign up to get involved. Um, like Matt said, this is going to take everyone here uh, to make happen. And, and whether that is you committing to praying on a daily basis to see this, to see this launch take place. Uh, whether it's you, uh, you have some research. I was just talking to someone just before the service and, and they were saying, Hey, I just know someone that they had a whole storage unit of musical instruments that just came available, drums and all kinds of stuff. I was wondering if we might need something like that as a church. I don't know. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so if you have, uh, connections to resources, those types of things, locations. We'll, we'll talk about all this here later, so I'm not going to go into detail on that, but um, sign up to be notified how you can get involved. There's also a text message. Uh, if you prefer to you know, sign up through your phone, I think OC plant, is that the keyword? So 97,000 is the number for all of our text message correspondence. So if you text to 97,000, the word OC plant, uh, you'll get some prompts um, kind of specific ways that you might want to get involved and you can follow up through there. So outwardsilverton.com or text OC plant to 97,000. Uh, those are two ways that you can start getting involved right now. Who's preaching? Who is preaching? Do we know that yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, so just real quick, the idea is, is, uh, you know, we're going to get into this in the meeting, but the idea will be that like we have, as Matt said, somehow eight, uh, preachers here. Um, so Matt, Matt is going to be preaching over there. Um, as well as, like, we have a team of preachers that will be going as well. Tim is stepped up and is going to be doing some of the preaching there. But our leadership is going to stay essentially the same. Um, the, the goal will be that this will be, at one point, a self-sustaining church. That's our hope. That's our prayer, that we'll have a lead pastor in, in Silverton and in their own elders and everything. But right now, again, keeping it simple. We're going to go preach the gospel. We have preachers here, and we're going to disciple people. So does that help? Yeah, yeah, so Tim and I will be sharing preaching uh, duties there, and I'll still be preaching here, um, but Tim will be uh, out there for part of that time, and then we'll fill in with some other preachers. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so a couple other things real quick. The, the biggest thing, if you want to know how you can be a part of this, and this is not like the, the backup answer or anything, it's prayer. 
We, we depend on God. We need to be a church uh, of prayer. We need to be praying desperately on our knees together, asking God to move here. We don't do this without him. And uh, the beautiful, beautiful thing about this is it only shows even more our necessity for him. We have no idea. <laughs> I shouldn't say this because I'm the executive pastor. We have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen or how this is going to work or many details. Uh, but we believe God is calling us into something unknown. We believe God is going to move faithfully through us. We believe you all in here are going to see fruit produced by you. As we are tied to the vine that is Christ, he will produce it through us, through our work. So I'm just going to ask you guys to pray. Um, if you do that text message thing, OC Plant 97,000, there's prompts on there. You can, you can do prayer. And we're going to give you prompts. We're going to give you daily readings. We're going to give you devotionals, things about just praying for this movement uh, in there. So the biggest way you can be part of that is prayer. Um, and and I, I think that's it. Um, anything else we need to chat about? I think that's it. Yeah, so, so if you can stay just, uh, and you want to hear more, if you want to hear more about, we're going to explain that, that text message prompt and all the different ways you can be involved. Um, we want to equip you guys as well. We want to train you. There's an option for that. I just need to say this real quick. Um, and so if you text in there and you see the training, um, if you don't feel like you can do this, we are here for you. We will train you. We will equip you. That's our job. That's what we get paid to do. So help us do that because, you know, I don't know what else we do here. Yeah. Um, we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs. Yeah. No, we, we want to we equip people. We, some of you in here are going to be church planters. Some of you in here are going to be, oh, man, you should not have given me the mic. This was a <laughs> bad idea. Sorry. But, man, I'm just so passionate about training every single one of you up to proclaim the manifest destiny of God, just to proclaim his wisdom, to proclaim his glory. Uh, that's all I have. So stick around and we'll chat more about this. Yeah. Communion? Yep, we're going to communion. Okay, yeah. And I'm uh, going to have the ushers come forward. Would you just get up right now? And uh, we're going to have ushers here that are uh, passing this out. And we're gonna, we'll invite the band forward here. So this morning, we celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. We do this every, every week. And the reason is because we wanna keep the gospel fresh in our minds. Would you take a moment and bow your heads with me? We think about our sin not to grovel and not to just wallow in, in shame, but we think about where we are with God today. We think about all of the ways that we need the gospel right here in this moment. We confess our sin to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we confess our inability to be righteous without your help. Lord Jesus, we confess the fact that many of us have just treated church like it's just an event that we go to. Lord, we confess that we haven't taken seriously the sharing of your gospel. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross for us. Jesus says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the body. And he says, I poured out my blood for your sin and for your shame. But I poured it out because I love you so much. I love you a ridiculous amount, like you could never know it. It's beyond what you could even imagine. And I want you to taste that right now. That's what Jesus is saying to you this moment, right here and right now. Let's partake of the blood. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Thank you for what you've done. It's in your name we pray. Amen.